welcome to episode number 85 and i'm deeply honored to be speaking with dr michael murray on this episode dr murray is one of the world's leading authorities on natural medicine and he's published over 30 books featuring natural approaches to health He's a graduate, former faculty member and serves on the board of regents of Bastyr University in Washington. For the past 35 years, Dr. Murray has been compiling a massive database of original scientific studies from the medical literature. He has personally collected over 65,000 articles from the scientific literature which provides strong evidence on the effectiveness of diet, vitamins, minerals, herbs and several other natural measures in the maintenance of health and in the treatment of disease. It is from this constantly expanding database that Dr. Murray provides the answers on health and healing on drmurray.com. Through his work with leading companies, Dr. Murray has been instrumental in bringing many effective natural products to North America and he speaks to me about sleep quality. He tells us about how dreams can indicate our sleep quality and with this profound wisdom and deep experience he walks us through root causes of poor sleep quality even if you don't have sleep challenges the right foods and using natural supplements the right way and this episode will resonate with you in ways where improving your sleep quality can help you further improve your life if you missed episode 84 the forgiveness meditation do give yourself time the deer is a symbol of love humility gentleness and forgiveness and forgiveness is the key to all healing in this guided meditation you can hope to find the power to release and forgive others and yourself and this helps you create a safe space for healing and improving sleep quality remember to also play the meditation as a break in the afternoon to help you release that restlessness and stress of the day Hey everyone, I'm Deepa, Allied Functional Medicine Practitioner, author and yogini and you're listening to the Sleep Whisperer podcast, the only sleep podcast with conversations and meditations. I'm on a mission to share profoundly insightful sleep conversations with global visionaries that merge together functional medicine and ancient wisdom. Breathe in bliss through weekly guided meditations and let yourself enter the land of dreams. Together, let's unravel the pieces, get to the roots and understand the right tools to transform your sleep completely. Through this podcast, I want you to dream the best version of yourself. It's time to regain hope and begin your sleep journey. 
Dr. Murray, it's an honor to have you on the show today and we're speaking about natural approaches to helping improve sleep quality and you have, you're the author of 30 books, I've seen you on innumerable summits and interviews and I've always loved one thing everywhere where I've listened to you and that's just that you have this warm quality which just reaches out to your audience and I've always felt connected even when I've not personally known you so I always wanted to make sure that I had you on the show myself. So it's really a pleasure to have you. But maybe a quick introduction before we jump into our conversation, because um, you have such a long line of expertise. And I'd love to know a little bit about your personal story before we actually start our sleep conversation. Well, well thank you. Uh... Yes, I'm a naturopathic physician, a doctor of natural medicine. I'm a graduate, and I've served on the faculty and board of trustees at Bastyr University. As I was going through my educational process, it occurred to me that if natural approaches to health and healing are based upon truth, that they should be able to stand up to scientific investigation. So I started collecting research articles uh, from the University of Washington's Health Science Library, and over the last uh, 40 years, I've uh, personally collected probably over 70,000 articles that support the use of diet, lifestyle modification, uh, uh, a positive attitude, and the use of natural products to promote health and healing. And it's from this large database that I've written over 30 books, as well as been instrumental in many uh, product introductions here in the United States, uh, things like well, virtually all the standardized herbal extracts like ginkgo and St. John's wort and saw palmetto and specialty compounds like quercetin and curcumin and nutritional compounds like glucosamine sulfate. I played a role in, in introducing to North America. Uh, I love this topic about sleep because uh, in my practice, I, I quickly learned that one of the, the uh, quickest ways to help people feel better was helping them get a better night's sleep. And we've all had that experience, right? Where, gee, you know, we don't sleep well and we just kind of struggle through the day. We're maybe more irritable and have lower energy levels. And then we've all had those days where we just feel great after a, a good night's sleep or when we've really gotten uh, repleted with our, uh, our sleep. Uh, and it just feels fantastic. Everything looks better. We we were happier. We noticed that people around us seem to be happier because, you know, often they reflect our mood and uh, we think better, uh, have clearer thoughts, more positive thoughts. And life is better after a good night's sleep. So I quickly learned how important it is to help people get a good night's sleep. And it's amazing how many times uh, when you improve their sleep quality, everything seems to go by the wayside. And we know that from from uh, clinical research. If you look at, at uh, symptom questionnaires that are used in clinical research, uh, double-blind placebo-controlled studies, uh, these symptoms of our body functions, they are uh, closely tied to how well we sleep. When we don't get a good night's sleep, we just, we're more aware and we have more aches and pains, particularly with our 
our uh, musculoskeletal system, you know, muscles and joints. So yeah, getting a good night's sleep is great for the mind, great for the body, great for the emotions and great for the spirit. So I, I'm a firm believer in, in sleeping well. Dr. Murray, have you ever struggled with sleep yourself? Have you had any times in your life where you went through a period of possibly not being able to easily fall asleep or struggling to stay asleep, perhaps in university? Yeah, I, no, I've, I've always slept well. And I think there's some reasons for that. Um, one big reason is that uh, I learned quickly that I'm very sensitive to caffeine. So I don't, I've, I've never uh, used uh, any, any stimulants. Uh, um, I've always had good energy levels. Uh, and if I drink a cup of coffee, I've only done that a few times. I do not sleep well. That was the only time I've really struggled was when I was uh, you know, not knowing that I didn't tolerate coffee, but after it didn't take long, <laughs> I'm very, very sensitive to it. Um, so I think that was a blessing being, being aware of that. And I got interested in health and nutrition when I was 19. So um, I've, I've really been healthy for, I'm 63 now. So I've been really healthy for 44 years. And um, yeah, I've never, never really struggled with sleep. Um, you know, jet lag, I've had jet lag and know what, what that feels like. Uh, but I, I ha and I have an interesting sleep cycle. It's, a, it's different. Uh, but I talked to, I was getting interviewed by a sleep expert one time, and uh, he told me that uh, prior to the invention of electricity, it was normal to sleep as I do. And the way that I sleep, it's more common uh, in the winter. Uh, what, what I'll do is I'll, I'll, I tend to go to bed earlier. So if I go to bed at nine, I might wake up at 1.30 or 2.30, and I might be awake for 90 minutes or a couple of hours and then I'll go back to sleep to get what's called a, a second sleep. And I know your audience is probably very educated on a, on a typical sleep cycle. They'll know the difference between REM and stages one, two, three, and four sleep. And as we uh, go through the night, our sleep is usually divided into 90-minute cycles. Uh, it takes a couple minutes for some people to get to sleep. Usually, you know, and certainly within seven minutes, most people are able to get to sleep and then uh, they have a light sleep and they uh, reach, reach those deeper levels of sleep. Uh, and then they are quickly brought out of those deep levels of sleep. Uh, and there's a, a activation of REM sleep and they, in the first sleep cycle may have only three to five minutes of REM sleep and they won't wake up and they'll just go right back to sleep. Uh, but as each successive sleep cycle, 90 minute sleep cycle occurs, that REM time increases. And what I find when I do the second sleep is I'll get a 90 minute uh, sleep cycle and it seems like it's almost entirely REM sleep. And I really believe that uh, dreams are gifts. I, I talk about my dreams almost every day because they're so awesome. You know, I, it love sounds, it. Uh, yeah, I love it. I love it. Silly, but, uh, I, I really believe that, that uh, gifts uh, in the form of dreams help us kind of navigate our lives. And it 
it's really showing what's going on in our subconscious mind. And, you know, we have two types of, uh, of dreams. We have, we do dream in those deeper levels of sleep, but we, in, in those dreams, we dream in black and white. And it's, mm. it's, usually, it's usually about learning. We're not even aware of it, but it's usually uh, having to do with uh, learning physical skills uh, or uh, kind of uh, unconscious, uh, you know, body, body movements. Uh, but the uh, typical REM uh, sleep dream is in vibrant color. And uh, that dream is really a reflective of, of a communication between our subconscious mind and our conscious mind. And it's, uh, I, th I think Hippocrates is credited with saying that uh, any dream unexamined is like a gift from God unopened. Wow, that's beautiful. Because yeah. I have an entire series of episodes on dreaming with different dream experts. And we talk about so many different aspects of dreams. But that's the first time I've heard that. And it makes so much sense. Yeah. And if, if, if Hippocrates didn't say it, then I'll take credit for it. Because <laughs> I, I just, I think it's really, really true. Um, I, I just, I think they're, they're great gifts. So and it's amazing, Deepa, how, when you talk to people about sleep, how many people don't remember their dreams? Yes. And I, I'm, I uh, you know, my, my goal uh, is to help people remember their dreams uh, because I think uh, it helps them in, in their life, in all aspects of their life. And it, it, there, there's more to getting a good night's sleep than just dreaming good. But I think that's a that's a big component of it. That's beautiful. So let's actually talk about how can you improve that sleep quality because I like also that you spoke about the second sleep, which I haven't really heard of. I've usually got out of bed when I wake up. Uh, and uh, I do recall some days when I didn't have to wake up for something and I went back to sleep and I felt that that sleep was extremely deep and I woke up feeling immensely rested. Uh, so do you, is your typical approach with someone who might, uh, you might want to improve sleep quality for more in terms of tweaking their diet or using some of these natural herbs that you mentioned at the beginning that you played such a role in. So I would love to get your perspective on a magical sleep plate or some sleep nutrients or anything that you feel would improve sleep quality. Even if someone was sleeping, they were not having sleep challenges, but maybe just they want to improve their sleep quality. Quality. And I love what you said about improved sleep quality, helping with remembering dreams and how dreams actually improve your life itself, because that's a great connection as well. Well, yeah, achieving uh, those deeper levels of sleep, uh, that's really critical for your brain health. Um, during sleep, uh, our immune system is activated, uh, our detoxification system is activated, our repair mechanisms, our body is going to work to heal. Uh, but that only happens at, at the optimal level in the deepest levels of sleep. And unfortunately, uh, 
one of the problems with conventional drugs used in, in sleep is that they don't allow people to achieve those deeper levels of sleep. And as a result, people wake up feeling drugged, they feel drowsy, they feel hungover. So, um, you know, one of the things that I, uh, I've really worked on is trying to help people get off of those drugs because they're, they're really, uh, they're, they're short-term band-aids, but they cause a lot of problems. And uh, yeah, so um, for me, when I am working with a patient or writing, I try to provide a, a comprehensive approach and it really is required if you, if you wanna have good sleep quality. You have to in, eliminate inhibitors of good sleep and overuse of stimulants or overuse of alcohol uh, overuse of anything that can uh, disrupt your normal sleep patterns. Uh, it just has to be eliminated. In the United States, the biggest factor that leads to poor sleep quality is faulty blood sugar control. Your brain needs oxygen and it needs uh, nutrients. And the key nutrient it needs is glucose. And if you're uh, suffering from insulin resistance or type 2 diabetes, uh, your brain cells aren't getting the uh, the glucose that they need because the, the, they are more resistant to the insulin and uh, the glucose doesn't get in the, uh, in the cell. So uh, what happens if the brain cell is starved for glucose is it, it, uh, it we've got control mechanisms. It releases, uh, it causes a release of cortisol. It's, it causes the activation of the uh, reticular activating system and it wakes us up and uh, you know, that, that's a big, big reason for, for men in their, uh, you know, 50 plus year, uh, range, um, you know, getting up to empty their bladder due to a prostate enlargement is something we might have to look at. And then women during menopause and beyond, uh, sleep disturbances are very common at, at that time. So there's a lot of uh, underlying factors that go into it. Um, and I also look at the, the psychology of it. One, one of the things that I've noticed, and I'm not saying I don't want to offend anybody, uh, but it's just something that I've noticed in people that have really struggle with sleep. Um, you have to surrender. You have to be able to let yourself go. And you, you, you can't be in control. Uh, you've got to let go. And uh, learning how to just let go is really, really important. And it sounds easy. But when you talk to people that are struggling with insomnia and you really, you know, get, get to know them a little bit, um, I, I get asked a lot by friends uh, for help. And, uh, <laughs> you know, you, you have to be a little gentler with, with friends, with, with patients. I, I tell them, look, you got to learn, you got to learn how to let go. You got to learn how to surrender and, you know, give into it and trust. It's a trust issue. You know, you got to trust. And, uh, but, you know, with, with, uh, with friends and family, they're more little resistant to, to that. So uh, you, you just have to uh, trust me that this is uh, something that will help. And uh, I think that's one reason why uh, I am such a good sleeper. And if you talk to good sleepers, my son is, he's like the all-time world's greatest sleeper. He, you know, when he was a child, he was a little bit slow to develop because he was sleeping 16 to 18 hours a day. He loved to sleep, but that kid, he could just, he could just 
let go and, and, and get to sleep just like that, no matter where we were. And, uh, you know, uh, my, uh, my, uh, uh, my daughter, uh, she's is a little uh, more wired than that and uh, has had some, some sleep issues and, and teaching her how to, how to get herself relaxed. And, you know, she, she studied yoga. So she learned that and was able to regulate her, her, um, her internal mechanisms really well to that, that promotes sleep. So um, it, it, I think it, it starts with that. We can, we can talk a lot about diet and supplements, but I, I think for a lot of people that are struggling, it really is important to learn how to, how to let go and, and surrender and, and trust, um, trust the universe. Beautiful, Dr. Murray. In fact, I've spoken about uh, how sleep requires you to feel safe and in a feeling of uh, trust because I think a lot of people who've had trauma and I've had trauma myself for a long time. It was a big struggle to let go. There was no feeling of safety in that space. And I'm so glad you brought attention to that because I think a lot of practitioners, a lot of people don't bring importance to these subtle but very potent aspects which play such a key role because you could be having the best supplementation and the best diet and the right. great form of exercise, but there are people who do struggle to just let go and wind down and relax and uh, I'm really glad to have someone like you bring attention to that because it's very very important as a tool but I'd also love your expertise to talk a little bit about food because you did mention the blood sugar aspect which I think is a problem for many they're waking up I know a lot of women who complain about waking up between 2 and 4 a.m and then they just can't go back to sleep they feel hungry or even anxious uh, so I'd love to get some thoughts on what not to do or what would help promote better sleep in terms of food? Yeah, well, I, I, you know, again, I, I like to, to focus on eliminating obstacles to a good night's sleep. And it's just not, it's, for, for, it's not just uh, caffeine, it's the quality of the diet. And um, uh, so if someone's eating a lot of uh, high glycemic load foods, foods with a lot of sugar and easily absorbed uh, sugar, uh, they're going to develop insulin resistance and that's going to, to lead to nighttime awakenings because their, their, their blood sugar levels are, are faulty. Uh, about 20 years ago, uh, I was working with a physician and we started looking at 24-hour continuous blood sugar monitoring and now that's become in vogue with all the smartwatches. And what we found then is that it wasn't, you know, hypoglycemia we see typically when uh, blood sugar levels get below 70 milligrams per deciliter. But uh, what we found was it wasn't getting, it wasn't necessary to get the blood levels below 70 to produce hypoglycemic uh, symptoms or cause a nighttime awakening. What we found was just a drop, uh, any drop from anywhere from five to 10 milligrams or more in their blood sugar level over a short time, you know, within a few minutes, that is going to trigger 
uh, this hypoglycemic response. And, and part of that response is activation of our sympathetic nervous system and, and the also the release of cortisol, both of which will wake us up. And it'll be very hard to get back to sleep uh, once that happens. We kind of got to let it burn off. And sometimes it, it doesn't burn off. Uh, uh, you know, I, I talked about my, my second sleep. Uh, for me, you know, I, I I, I never really fought that because I found that when I, I when I would wake up in the middle of the night, uh, I had great mental clarity and I knew it was not time to wake up. But I've had times where I've woken up in the night and it, it hasn't felt were good. It hasn't felt like I had good good me mental clarity. So uh, I would. Uh, you know, ask if, if someone's, ha if they wake up and they have good mental clarity, take advantage of that and not fight it. Uh, and then try to get back to get that second sleep. But usually when people that are on that blood sugar roller coaster, when they, when they wake up in the middle of the night, they don't have that mental, mental clarity because their, their brain is, is kind of starved for for glucose, and then you've got the, the stimulation of the cortisol and the adrenaline. So, um, if if they feel anxious or have cloudy thinking, then then that's that's a kind of a differentiating factor. Uh, it would mean that, yeah, you got to get your blood sugar levels under control. And uh, do you feel there's some reasons why certain people end up, I mean, of course, a high glycemic diet, but I think even uh, people who feel they're eating healthy and they say, I'm not eating any sugars, there's a ton of hidden sugars in their food and they're not quite aware of that. So it would be great. In fact, someone just asked me a few days ago, you haven't discussed on your podcast uh, on just telling us what are all sugars. So it would be great if you did a quick run through of what are potential sugars, because many people think it's only taking out the refined white sugar that is required. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, any carbohydrate source uh, in, in excess, uh, and I, I like using what's called the glycemic load. And if someone is really struggling with, with uh, insomnia, they can Google glycemic load and learn a little bit about it. But I would put them on a, a glycemic load restricted diet where they're eating uh, no more than 20 on the glycemic load chart in a two and a half hour period. So let me give you an example of what might meet that uh, acceptable amount of carbohydrate. That would be the amount that would be in roughly two thirds of a cup of white rice or one cup of brown rice. Then you can have no other carbohydrate source. You can have a baked potato, but pretty much no other carbohydrate source. You can have uh, some vegetables and uh, a, maybe a banana, but that's it. So you have to have a working knowledge of this uh, glycemic uh, load and, you know, give that, uh, that diet uh, a, a try. It's great, not only for getting your blood sugar levels under control, but also promoting longevity. One clue that someone can, can uh, uh, determine whether they have insulin resistance or not, and, and, and blood sugar control, 
may be a factor in their insomnia is just measuring with a tape measure their uh, waist to hip ratio. If their waist is larger than their hips, that's a sign of increased abdominal obesity and those fat cells, they secrete compounds that block the action of insulin and they literally starve your brain for, for glucose and, and nutrition. So um, that's, that's something that if someone has a, a larger uh, waist to hip ratio, they really need to, to uh, pay attention to the uh, very strictly to the amount of carbohydrates they get in their diet. And you know, carbohydrates are uh, best uh, gotten in our diet through green leafy vegetables, low glycemic vegetables. Um, and and it's, a, it's about uh, portion control. Uh, but, you know, carrots have a lot of carbohydrate in them, but they also have a lot of fiber and water. So when you look at how many carrots you could eat to have an acceptable amount of, uh, of, uh, of carbohydrates, it's, it's quite a bit. With fruit, um, some fruit are more uh, high in sugars than others. But in general, uh, I like to recommend five servings of vegetables a, a day. And uh, you know, French fries and potato chips don't count, but a serving is defined as one half cup cooked and uh, one cup uncooked and uh, try and get about 50-50, uh, half cooked, half uncooked. So uh, that takes care of the vegetables and then limit your fruit intake to about one, one or two cups raw per day. And that's uh, usually just one or two servings of fruit per day. Um, I have a program that I offer and have been uh, working with people for, for several years called the Diabetes Reversal Solution. And uh, um, it's, it, it's very interesting for, for people when they start, when they keep the track of their blood sugar levels and also keep track of what they eat. Because uh, just the difference, like this uh, one gentleman had me look at his diet and his blood sugar levels uh, uh, last week. And it's pretty amazing. Just adding the difference between adding uh, uh, in a smoothie, maybe one banana or uh, maybe a, a one banana and a cup of, of berries, just that extra little bit causes blood sugar levels mm. to, to, to really rise. So um, those are some general rule of rules of thumb. Um, you know, a lot of times people are looking for specific foods to make people tired um, uh, it, I, I think we all find things that, that work for us. I like to go to sleep on a full stomach. Yes. Um, and, and I, I have my own, uh, comfort foods that, uh, that help me, uh, do that. I, I'm, I'm very lean. I'm in good shape. Uh, and so I'm not eating a huge, you know, I'm not eating, a, you know, a pint of ice cream or, you know, lots of heavy food, but, I, I like, uh, I, I've gotten in the habit of having, a, a, I, I like beverages and I like having a, a hot coconut milk with uh, maybe a, a, a one or two tablespoons of raw cacao or maybe a, 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 some sort of a, a whey protein or collagen protein in there, just something to give it a little flavor. Um, 
and you know, there's something about, it's kind of like warm milk. I just think it's very comforting and it's just, and it's part of my ritual. Uh, and I think, you know, we talk about sleep hygiene, to use that term, yes. having rituals and, yes. and uh, things that are comforting and, and uh, you know, make you feel good and warm inside. And that, that, that goes uh, really well towards having a good night's sleep. And what's in your dinner plate, Dr. Murray? I'd love to see what's your typical dinner like because you say that your sleep is so good. So what's the general dinner for you? Is there a specific timing as well? Because I'd love to know if you eat earlier or later and how that helps you with your sleep. Yeah, so um, I, I do like some of the aspects of the, that intermittent fasting of shortening the, the time uh, window where you're actually eating. So um, I, uh, and I, I, I really strive to eat to control my blood sugar level. Uh, so I, I like to eat early. I like to eat, I like to eat my breakfast late, like nine or 10. And I like to eat my, my dinner early, usually before six or six 30. And then I go to bed around nine, nine 30 or 10. And that's when I'll have, uh, I might, uh, there's a few comfort things I, I have. Uh, I like, uh, I like sometimes I'll have berries in uh, just, just berries in the coconut milk and, or sometimes I'll make, uh, I'll, I'll cut up uh, apples and, and uh, put them in Greek yogurt with a little cinnamon. Uh, it just depends on, on the mood. I like to mix it up. I don't have the same thing every night. But I'd say the thing I have the most is is uh, just a, a hot coconut milk uh, beverage, uh, and uh, sometimes it's just the hot coconut milk. Maybe put a little cinnamon in there. I use a little hand mixer to like a, those little frappe uh, mixers, like you make a frappuccino with. Uh, you know, they're they're good for whipping that coconut milk too, and you can add a few things, maybe a vanilla extract. Um, yeah, so. Those are things that I that I found, and I, I do take some supplements uh, that that I think really help. Especially, you know, I, I've had the experience of having my sleep get disrupted because I've I've traveled a lot internationally. I've never been to India, but I've been, uh, you know, I've been to Europe fifty times. I've been to China five times. So I've, I've traveled a lot, and I uh, I I usually get uh, um, when I'm over wherever I'm going, I usually have reverse jet lag, because um, what happens is, like if I'm going to Europe or I'm going uh, to, to China, uh, I usually leave at night. So uh, I sleep on the plane and I can I sleep very well and I get there and it's night and I, I go to sleep. And so I, I wake up and I, I will have slept like, you know, maybe, uh, maybe 16 hours in a 24 wow. hour period. <laughs> And I wake up and, I, and I'm good. <laughs> but uh, coming back home, my flights are usually home or usually in the day. Mm. So I come home, I arrive home and I arrive during the day. So it's just, it, it's harder for me to get uh, uh, restored back to my cycle. But what I found really works for me is a little, little uh, secret that I, I discovered in my, in my research uh, and that is using a special form of vitamin B12 called methylcobalamin. This is the most active form mm. of vitamin B12. 
and you take three milligrams the first thing in the morning, uh, three milligrams of methyl B12 has been shown to be helpful in people with sleep-wake uh, cycles disorders. And we see this a lot in elderly people. They're able to <laughs> fall asleep during the day. They, they can't stay awake during the day practically. And they don't think very well. Uh, their, their sleep cycle's been disrupted. People that uh, have jet lag, their sleep cycle's uh, disrupted. But taking methyl B12 will shut down daytime melatonin secretion. So your melatonin levels are allowed to increase. And then I do something at night to kind of uh, make sure that enough melatonin is there. And I take three to five milligrams of, uh, of melatonin uh, just before going to bed. And I, I find that that combination really works well for a lot of people. I love um, it. I yeah. love the B12 in the morning. This is the first time I'm hearing about that. And it makes so much of sense because some people do have also such a flipped sleep rhythm where even yeah. if they're not the elderly, they are struggling with this. They're falling asleep just after breakfast every day. They've fallen into that loop. And then when they come to the night, they're wired and they just can't wind down. And uh, this sounds um, scientific and uh, very, very effective. Yeah, you know, you talk to a lot of people uh, and they've tried melatonin and it hasn't worked for them. Yes. That's because if their melatonin secretion during the day is too high, um, then they're not... Melatonin is something that uh, kind of, it's kind of like putting your, your foot on the gas pedal. But if you've had that foot on the gas pedal all day and you've used up all the gas, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it's, it's not going to do that much to, to, to take more. It's just not, uh, you know, melatonin is an initiator of sleep, but, um, you know, it requires uh, you not having uh, that melatonin being secreted in the brain uh, during, uh, during the day. Um, uh, now, here's something else. I, I like to take a 20-minute or so power nap every day, and some people don't like that in helping people get a good night's sleep. It hasn't hurt me, um, and it's a good time for me to kind of get centered and, and get relaxed. I think that's why it hasn't... Uh, because, uh, you know, we're all under a lot of stress. I'm no different. But I think, uh, again, le learning when you, I, I'm, I've gotten really good at letting go. And so, uh, you know, letting go, uh, getting a quick 15, 20, 30 minute nap in, then I'm, then I wake up and I'm good to go again. Uh, now, um, if it's too close to sleep, uh, then, you know, it'll delay the time I go to sleep. Uh, but, but generally, uh, like today, I haven't had a nap and I won't get one, um, but uh, I feel great. I've had a great day because I had a great night's sleep. But do you typically take your nap post lunch or what time would it be? And do you nap sitting up or lying down? <laughs> I nap lying down. I like, uh, I like the full effect. But, you know, I, I sleep on my side, but I nap on my back, which is really interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, and, I, and I'm more conscious... Uh, uh, when I'm, uh, napping, uh, I'm, I don't think I get those, those really deep levels of sleep, but cause I have a, a good awareness of what's going on. Here's another interesting thing. 
in my life, I've only been uh, woken up by an alarm clock a handful of times. I'll set the alarm, but let's say I want to get up at six o'clock in the morning. I will wake up at 5.59 and turn to turn off. I don't like getting woken up by the uh, alarm clock. And what is that? How do we know that? I think it's interesting. I mean, we have, I'm not the only one that has that experience. You know, I, I think, Dr. Murray, I came across a difference with people regarding this very same thing. And I also do that. Like just now, it, I had to wake up at 4.30 a.m. to see you. Uh, and I woke up a few minutes before the alarm went up because I guess the mind just decides it knows time somehow. I don't know how. But I do know that at a stage in my life where I was forced to wake up very early and leave out outside for work uh, that didn't happen I would feel jarred by the alarm it was almost as if I didn't get great sleep because I had it running in my head that I needed to go somewhere uh, so maybe there's a difference in a feeling of pressure of being woken up and versus uh, knowing that you don't have that pressure but you just wake up before the alarm so I'm not quite sure about that but I'd yeah. be to know more. Um, yeah, I, I had the more, you know, the the uh, the anxiety about uh, uh, waking up on time when I was younger, but that didn't last very long. Um, I, you know, I, I think it just, uh, you know, then you learn that you're going to get woken up by the alarm if you if you if you, if you don't you keep waking up and checking the clock to see what time it is, you're going to yes. be okay. Well, let's let me give some other recommendations, yes. and, and uh, um, you know, as far as this, the supplementation goes, some natural sleep aids. Um, I've had uh, I've had the best results with you know combining uh, that methyl B twelve with melatonin, and then sometimes if 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 people need a little help, I'll add a couple of other things. One is five HTP, which is the Pre, direct precursor to serotonin. Don't take tryptophan. Tryptophan doesn't work. Uh, tryptophan can, can actually uh, make things a little worse in terms of uh, sleep quality. Um, it, if we uh, Usually people that have disruption in their tryptophan metabolism, the tryptophan's getting shunted to uh, a uh, inhibitor of serotonin formation called kynorenin. And so um, if you take 5-HTP, it bypasses that. The, the research with L-tryptophan is not very good in, in producing sleep or improving sleep quality, but the research with 5-HTP is quite good. I, I generally recommend 50 to 150 milligrams uh, 30 to 45 minutes before going to bed. Uh, I like also to recommend it with uh, either L-theanine or uh, the natural form of GABA, PharmaGABA. I just find that uh, uh, these, uh, these are both um, natural uh, activators of alpha brain waves and that helps us get initiated to, to sleeping. Uh, so with either the L-theanine or PharmaGABA, generally 200 milligrams, and both of them have good data showing that they 
uh, they, they do what we want. And what we want is we want to reduce inefficient sleep. And inefficient sleep is defined when we spend way too much time in, in stages one and two. Stages one and two don't do much for us. Uh, we really need those deeper levels of sleep. And what's interesting about both of these uh, sleep enhancers is that they, uh, they uh, basically uh, improve sleep quality in a way that uh, it, it doesn't change overall sleep time, but people spend more time both in REM sleep and in those deeper levels of sleep. And we call that improved sleep efficiency. And uh, you know, that's really what we should be looking at when we are looking at some of these, uh, these natural compounds. We really have to understand them. I'm not a big fan of valerian. I know it's very popular and it does have uh, research behind it. Um, I think uh, what I find with it is I've always found it that it, it, it makes people a little, it works. We know it works. Uh, and some people do great with it. Um, but, you know, we have 16 different types of GABA receptors uh, uh, in our brain and different people respond to different uh, natural products differently. And uh, so you're not going to see the same thing work for everybody. Um, mm. So the reason I, with Valerian's going to, for the people where it works, it works really well. Um, so I kind of reserve it because the thing is what, that I found is that uh, for the people where it doesn't work very well, it makes them groggier. You know, they, they're able to sleep, but they wake up and they're, they're, they're kind of groggy. And yes, I did hear that a lot from people who started taking Valerian after doing their research and they said it would make me feel like I'd taken a sleeping pill during the morning. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I would love to know, because you mentioned L-theanine, Dr. Marek, if you could quickly suggest what would be a safe dosage when someone is taking L-theanine? Yeah, for, for if they're just using L-theanine alone, if they wanted to try it, uh, uh, the dosage that's required to produce a sedative effect, a true sedative effect is like 600 milligrams, so it's very high. Uh, it's very safe. It, it doesn't have any toxicity. Uh, and with Pharmagaba, um, I, I don't know if it has will, would, would produce a true sedative effect. I generally recommend it along with other things. But like I said, there is research showing it to have this ability to improve uh, sleep efficiency. Um, yeah, there's so many exciting new natural compounds that are uh, impacting sleep. Um, it's, you know, it's a great field and, and uh, I just want to encourage people just, just to keep working at it. It's so important to get a good night's sleep. And as I said, not everybody's going to respond to the same uh, approach. Uh, what I've shared are things that I've found help the, the, the largest number of people. That B12 and the melatonin, 5-HTP, either Pharmagaba or L-theanine. That, that mix seems to work really well for most people. That's beautiful. And if, and if it doesn't, then we throw the valerian and it's those people. <laughs> those are the people that respond to the valerian. 
And on an interesting note, Dr. Murray, I had some uh, Dr. Manmohan on their show a long time back who spoke about an Ayurvedic approach to better sleep. And he mentioned using valerian not as an internal medication, but uh, rubbing the oil on the foot at night, which helped to induce sleep. Uh, which is an external approach and therefore possibly different in terms of the side effects. Um, yeah, it, that reminds me of a, uh, a story. One of, uh, one of my professors, uh, very illustrious professor, very intelligent, uh, enlightened man, very sensitive man in many ways. But he told the story of once he was hiking and he and he just he, he laid down in a field and he said he just he just fell asleep. Yeah. And when he woke up, he realized that he was in uh, a field of valerian and valerian, <laughs> valerian has a very strong odor. And yeah. that made uh, so aromatherapy, uh, you know, lavender, yeah. you know, there's a lot of uh, credence to uh you know, what we have going on in our environment. Uh, um, so yeah, I could, uh, yeah, that, that's interesting. Uh, valerian might have some interesting effects, uh, you know, reflexology too, just maybe even rubbing your feet. Yes. <laughs> everything's, everything's connected. And, uh, you know, the key thing is that people get on a natural approach to improve their sleep quality. There's no drug that's, that, uh, that I know of that, has a positive effect uh, long-term on sleep quality. So, um, and the detrimental effects are well-known, especially with the, the benzodiazepines. Thank you, Dr. Murray. But I need you to complete our show mantra. So we've got this, we have all our guests complete our sentence. If sleep is the new medicine, then how would Dr. Murray end that? If sleep is the new medicine, there's going to be a lot of happy people out there. I love it. Thank you for your time, Dr. Murray. How can people find uh, more about you and um, get to read your books? Where can they go? Yeah, the, the easiest thing is to go to my website. It's drmurray.com and it's either D-R-M-U-R-R-A-Y or D-O-C-T-O-R. M-U-R-R-A-Y, drmurray.com. That's the best way to follow me. And I, I hope they do. Thank you. And it was an honor having you here today for me. And I got a lot of clinical pearls from you in terms of the supplementation. I'm especially thrilled about the B12 melatonin connection. So I'm going to try that out myself. But thank you for your time. I'm deeply honored. Thank you. I appreciate it. Hi, everyone. I hope you enjoyed the show today. Just a reminder that this podcast is for information purposes only. It is not a substitute for professional care by a doctor or otherwise qualified health professional. This information is provided on the understanding that it does not constitute medical or the professional advice or services. If you are looking for personal help on your health journey, do seek out a qualified professional. Please do make your own healthcare decisions based upon your research and in partnership with a qualified healthcare professional. 
it is in no way intended as medical advice or a treatment or cure for any condition be sure to always directly work with a qualified practitioner before making any changes to your diet or lifestyle that may feel out of your realm of comfort or understanding if you are looking for an allied functional medicine practitioner do seek out more information on www.phytothrive.com It is important that you have someone who is qualified and understands your health personally in order to provide adequate care especially when it comes to chronic health condition. Be sure to subscribe to the Sleep Whisperer podcast on your favorite podcast app to get each episode as soon as it launches.